challenge of attaining a higher education degree in Kansas, certainly a newsworthy topic, received attention with formation of a student transfer agreement between community colleges and private colleges in this state. The deal between 19 community colleges and 20 independent schools should ease movement of students with an associate's degree to schools offering four-year private nonprofit bachelor's degrees. Here to delve into this development are Heather Morgan, Executive Director of the Kansas Association of Community Colleges, and Matt Lindsay, President of the Kansas Independent College Association. Welcome to you both. Thanks, Thanks. Tim. Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming in and explaining this. I think this is a big deal, and so we should uh, help uh, spread the news that this this issue, this uh, program exists. So, Matt, let's start with you, and you can talk about college access and affordability, Mm -hmm. just really what the challenge is that community colleges and private colleges are trying to address. What is the problem? And then, Heather, you can, uh, in broad strokes, talk about what this agreement does to solve that problem. Okay? So, Matt, you go first. Well, Tim, the uh, nationally, the United States uh, uh, Government Accountability Office back in 2017 uh, did a study, and they found that transfer students moving from a community college to a four-year institution, public or nonprofit, uh, lose an average of about 43% of their credits in that transfer. That's about 13 credit hours. So, we're talking about a full semester lost in transferring. That has dramatically negative impacts on the ability to graduate on time, to be able to graduate affordably, to get right out into the workforce, which is why most of our students are going to college. So the core of this agreement is to how do we address that challenge, at least for those students who we would love to have more of the community college students attending nonprofit colleges in Kansas. Right. Wow. What a setback that would be, the agony of having to retake classes. Okay, Heather Morgan. Tell us about the agreement and what it does. We're really excited about this agreement. Essentially what it does is a person who gets an associate's degree from a Kansas community college will tr- can now transfer to an independent college without losing those credits and having completed all of their general education requirements. So uh, while sometimes our regents universities say the, cre- the course transfers, if it transfers as an elective and not into their program of study, essentially it leads to the problem Matt just described, which is they ended up having to retake the class or retake a similar class at, at when they transfer. And so the solution that has been proposed and is now going into effect between the community colleges and independent colleges will essentially allow our students to transfer with junior standing with two years remaining on their degree The other um, uh, consequence that you might not think about is some students leave the community college prior to receiving a bachelor's degree because they know that they they will lose some credits and transfer. And so rather than completing the associate's degree and having that with them for the rest of their life, they may leave a few credits short knowing that uh, a university wouldn't take that credit and then have to spend more time at a more expensive um, educational option. So we're excited that this will hopefully uh, allow our students to graduate within four years if they're on the bachelor's degree path, but then also stay with us to take those full 60 hours for an associate degree um, and make sure that every one of those hours counts towards their four-year degree. So, Heather, when does this program begin? When is it effective? It's effective next fall, but technically um, institutions are trying to make this work as soon as possible. And for many of our colleges, this has already been in place for years. This is taking that concept and making sure that all 20 nonprofit colleges have set that as the bar. So, Matt, on on a case-by-case basis, a private college may have affiliated 
with one of its neighboring community colleges to form an informal agreement along these lines? In many ways, in many times, yes. Okay. So as an example, uh, Newman University has an articulation agreement with Butler Community College. Mm -hmm. There has been many transfer students that go from Butler to Newman. Uh, Kansas City, Kansas, and uh, and University of St. Mary have one. You could go down the list, but this sets not just an articulation agreement, but says, this, as Heather pointed out, they enter as a junior uh, having met their gen eds, regardless of which uh, Kansas. And that's a very significant deal, of course. But previously, under this ad hoc system, you could say that somebody was being funneled from a certain community college to a certain university. Now it'll be more broadly applicable. That's better for the students. In addition, the students who are in high school thinking about going to college can look at a system approach and know that if they go to Johnson County Community College, <clears throat> then they can go, they can transfer to McPherson College and, and, and continuing their education there. You see what I mean? That's exactly and right. So their options are much widened. This supports student choice to find the right place for them as they pursue their higher ed career. Mm-hmm. It, it might not come as a surprise, but sometimes our students think they want to go to a, one institution and then transfer to another. This takes away all of the problems and confusion that happened with individual school articulation agreements and says, if you complete your associate's degree, you're assured this benefit. One of our college presidents had a, had a daughter who got an associate's degree from his institution and transferred to uh, Friends. And he, she entered as a junior standing because that friends had that agreement previously. He had another daughter who got an associate's degree from his institution and is at a Regents University and has been required to retake six hours. <laughs> so th- those are the kind of challenges we're hoping to solve with this agreement. Right. So students can save money. They can save time. And we, we think this is going to help uh, people get closer to that four-year maybe four and a half or five year uh, undergraduate degree time frame to get a bachelor's degree. We certainly hope so. We know that every uh, semester that they're not in the workforce is uh, revenue lost from them and the Kansas workforce desperately needs their talents. And so we're hopeful that this will allow people to finish in four, four years. Well, every, every additional semester, every additional year is really a, a lot of additional costs. So, mm-hmm. you know, some people... I think it's just hard for some people to think about, oh, I'll just take an extra year, no big deal. But that extra year is a hell of a lot of, of cost that you would perhaps have to repay later on if you're in loans. Right. Or- it's not just the direct costs of paying for another year of tuition, room and board, those sort of things. It's lost income. Yes. You could so be in combined, the combined, you, what you're talking about here is very consequential. Um, all right. So... Uh, Heather, you kind of touched on this. Is there a comparable program with state universities, such as Kansas State University uh, and a community college? Currently, there are very few of uh, ad hoc, what Matt called ad hoc agreements in place. The Board of Regents is working on something they're calling the General Education Core, which will be 34 hours. That will be guaranteed transfer. That's uh, about a year out from implementation at least. But that's 34 hours. That isn't 60 hours. That isn't an associate degree. What, what community colleges would like to have is once our students receive an associate's degree that they would transfer into the university with junior standing, not be retaking classes, 
and have those classes all recognized. We're not there in Kansas yet. Other states have mandated and legislated those sorts of things. Hmm. The Board of Regents is moving that way, but not as expeditiously as we can. We just had a president retire after 40 years, and he recalled this conversation in 1970. uh, Well, you just don't want to lurch ahead too fast. You know, you want to think things through carefully. All right, Matt, so do you think an agreement between these private schools uh, and community colleges will just add pressure to the Kansas Board of Regents to get off their hands and and come up with a, a comparable policy? I would say that that's not why we did the agreement. But no, I, no, I'm I would, not saying I would that. Certainly but it might be hope that it does because this is right to this is the right thing to do for students. Might be our, additional motivation absolutely. for the state universities, KU, K State, WSU, right. because we are talking about student credit hours, and mm-hmm. and there is a competition among these institutions for students, right? Sure, you know? and I would because this is about serving students. I would hope that that pressure exists because we should all. Public or nonprofit, community colleges, four-year institutions, we should be focused on making sure that we serve each and every student well. So why has this taken so long? Even the community colleges and private schools, you know, just have, have, why has it taken so long to get them on the same page? I think that it's been um, something that's been a goal, but it, it, it always ran into some uh, either academic hurdle or other hurdle. And now with the cost of attendance being what it is, and, and really, I think a renewed focus on student success, our president said, we're done waiting, we're done um, letting things get in our way. And now is the time to get this done. Uh, and I think for uh, KICA schools, part of this has been, we are in a period now of coming out of the, the, the pandemic where we are stronger than we were before. We learned some important lessons and we have some leadership continuity that we didn't have for a while. Uh, I have right now all 20 institutions with a installed president uh, and the, the tenure has grown a little bit over time for those schools. So being able to have presidential leadership committed to making this happen really made a difference. So community college enrollment has suffered in the last few years, correct, Heather? Yeah, four-credit enrollment has gone down. One of the interesting things has been we, we have more students who are on being served on our non-credit side now. They may be getting a certificate or credential, the training to get that. So you're talking about like the high school students who are taking class? No. Um, it would be a traditional age student or adult student generally mm-hmm. who uh, would be being served and trained, what we call trained. Um, they may be in a class that's exactly like for credit, but for whatever reason, they're not choosing to take it for credit. They're choosing to get skilled up and prepared to take a certification exam. So Just for, curious why anybody would do that. So the, the reason would be cost. So their employer may take the, pay for them to take a training course, and then they set for the certif- certificate, and they get the certificate without paying tuition and fees. And so, for example, at Johnson County Community College, they have about 25,000 for credit students. And they had about, I think it's between sixteen and 20,000 people that they trained in non-credit programs. So while community college enrollment, technical enrollment is going down, our training on the business and industry side is going up. And I think that's a really little known fact in Kansas. The Board of Regents never reports on all of that customized training we're doing. Hmm. But as you think about the economic development projects that have been announced recently across mm-hmm. the state, community colleges have been involved in all of them. And they need technical workforce in the neighborhood of seven to one. And so sometimes those companies don't care if it's for credit. What they Mm -hmm. want is the person to prove that they can have the skills, and that's through certificates. Okay. If I can skip back to the uh, reason why this wasn't done a long time ago. You know, I know higher education moves at a snail pace in terms of reform. That's that's just a classic higher education model. 
you know, don't lurch to conclusions. But um, <clears throat> I, I want to know more about why this isn't happening, uh, why this didn't happen 10 years ago at state universities, private schools, and community colleges. Was there this competition for credit hours? Was it turf geography? You know, what are we talking about here? What are the complications behind the scenes that had to be dealt with? One of the things we hear from our faculty members who are trying to work with the university to articulate the courses, um, sometimes faculty don't think that the course is equivalent. Maybe there's one little aspect of the course that they teach that's not in the other course. And they said, well, because you didn't cover this one thing that might have been, you know, 10 minutes worth of lecture, your course is an equivalent. And that 10-minute thing is so important. And so it was really left at the dean and the faculty level to, to work out this, is the are these courses equivalent? Um, and oftentimes personalities and academic freedom um, sort of came into play. Hmm. I, I, my immediately thought was that there was a snobbish university professor who uh, just kind of uh, held his nose to a community college biology class. You know, the biology university professor with PhD and all that stuff uh, didn't like the adjunct uh, instructor at a community college, uh, the suggestion that those courses were equivalent. It's been interesting. Um, university professors are very nice people, but <laughs> but um, occasionally we've had situations where a biology class that's been offered online was not accepted at the university because it was an online class. Well, now, given the pandemic, we've all seen what, what is possible through online education. And so right. there are just some of those personal preferences at the faculty member level that have gotten in the way of uh, what's best for students. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and to go back to the point I made previously on leadership, uh, that this is the type of thing, especially in higher ed, remember you have a, a faculty shared governance model that's very important for higher ed institutions. It's part of the accreditation of those institutions that they sure. emphasized the role of faculty in governance. Uh, it takes sustained and active leadership to help work the faculty through the value and virtue of an agreement like this that it actually does serve their students better, that the content is not being watered down in any way. We love mm -hmm. our community college students. We think they come in well-prepared. But you still have to have somebody at the institution or some bodies who are champion championing it. Uh, at the same time, uh, Heather and I work very well together on a number of issues. And over the last few years, that relationship has helped us steer this in a way that was productive for, all, for both sectors. Among all these institutions, this tension between transfer has had to be just a drain over time, you know, just the battle, the battle, the battle. That's right. And building those ad hoc articulation agreements, those one-offs, takes enormous amount of effort and time that our presidents, our chief academic officers, they're stretched to the limit as well. So by doing this agreement, we're able to help them move past that baseline and start looking at other ways that we can increase student success, increase uh, learning outcomes. Um, how, how long has this agreement been in the work? I mean, the planning of this been in the work? It's pre-pandemic. You know, right at the beginning of the pandemic. So did you have to just uh, like uh, pound some sense into like three people out of the 39 CEOs of these campuses? <laughs> Were there a couple of holdouts you just had to put them in a timeout room for a while? I think that the pandemic, there were just other things that kind of got in our way and became big, bigger priorities, like trying to keep our colleges open uh, yeah. and, and operating. But I, I think that there were a few people we had to bring along a little more slowly. But uh, I would say the end of the last legislative session, we knew this was going to happen. And we had leadership, 100% leadership in place. And it was just bringing along a few other people. 
Um, but Tim, back to the point you just made about sort of the problem and how this solves a, as a solution. Unfortunately for our community college students who transferred in the past, once they leave us, if they're told by an institution that that credit doesn't fulfill the requirement, there, there is, at least with the Board of Regents, there was an appeal process. But that student doesn't know that there's an appeal process. And if they don't ever reach back out to their community college, we can't help them advocate for themselves. And so this just takes away all of that, um, that if students are unfortunately get to the university and get a surprise. Nobody wants that. This is um, going to build trust with our students, mm -hmm. and they know that there is no question about that, that your credits will transfer. You're not going to be retaking classes. Um, and it makes us feel better as community college um, leaders that our students are protected. We, we can't always advocate for them if we don't know that they have, they're having a problem. I know you don't want to speak for the Kansas Board of Regents, but why are they focusing on a 34-credit-hour package when you guys have developed one that's essentially 60-credit hours? Not speaking for the Board of Regents, but I think that the um, thought, thought process is once the 34-hour uh, package gets in place, that they will then move to um, a, they're going to try actually a program. They're going to try to do something like this for education next year, for just education majors. So they're moving- With 34 hours or something broader? The 60 hours okay. for just education majors. So the 34 hours was a first step and then just for education majors, something similar. And then perhaps if that goes well, they'll try some other majors. The, the Board of Regents is very dedicated to student success, especially this board. It's just the speed at which this is happening um, is slow. And really, the, the first two years, the 60 hours we're talking about here, there would be some subject matter courses. Like, for example, if I wanted to get a education degree, I would need to take public speaking and English one and algebra. And these, these are the kind of the core courses we're mm -hmm. talking about here. Uh, but some of the more advanced instruction in education, some of that would occur at a community college. But also, uh, that's where you would go on to a university, a college or a university and, and do. And what this allows us to do is advise students. So I was a secondary history ed major at a private independent college in Kansas. And so, and I, and I went to a community college first. I was not able to take 60 hours. I took actually essentially about a year, but I took some in high school and then a semester at community. My first semester in college was at the community college. I could, we can now advise students. You should take the developmental psychology. You should take elementary reading for, you know, secondary students or whatever that is. This also allows us to better advise students. And so I think that um, from a student perspective, they come in and they look at their classes and the advising is, is um, I would say, different levels of advisors have different expertises. And so maybe they're not advised into the most, the class that's most advantageous to them. And so what we're hoping is to have some guided pathways so students know exactly what they need to take if they stay on this path that they will get out. Um, there's some other things that the Kansas Board of Regents is thinking about in terms of what they're calling math pathways. And so that college algebra would not be the math class that most majors take anymore. There's considering some other things like that. And so there are some definite, I'd say changes in higher education that are impacting um, Kansas, but this agreement with the independent colleges is a first step on what's right for kids. So Matt, what about the skeptics who are saying, ugh, you know, community college, uh, the academic rigor of that basic math class, that's baloney, you know, Help us with the skeptics who, who aren't impressed by community. Well, college. I'd start with that's not how we look at it at the private college. <laughs> okay. uh, we are, uh, so we are 
continually uh, satisfied with the community college transfers we have. About 8.5% of KICA's enrollment uh, comes from Kansas community colleges. So I was going to ask you about, about a thousand, About 1,000 transfers a year um, coming from expl- explicitly from Kansas's uh, community colleges. Hmm. And those students graduate uh, at a more frequent, you know, at a higher rate than our regular students. From a business sense, it is cheaper to try to recruit transfer students than it is to try to go out and recruit first-time freshmen. You are more likely to see success in finding those those. I think the statistics would suggest that a high school student who takes some college credit courses, a handful of even, has a greater likelihood of graduating with some sort of associates or bachelor's degree in college. That's true. Early college helps as well. Uh, Another piece of this that's important is... Uh, for our schools, the, the demographics look very similar between the, these two sectors. Uh, about uh, the same percentage are low-income students who are eligible for Pell Grants. Uh, about the same students percentage are first-generation, first in their family. Explain what, the, what, you're, what you're categorizing here. When, when you're, so, talk, so you're talking about the people that transfer? No. Generally, the enrollment at a Kansas Community College, about one in four of them is a, their first in their family to go to college. About okay. one in four of them students at the Kansas Independent Colleges. Are, oh, okay. Are about one in three are non-white at a community college. About one in three are non-white at a, at a private college. We both have sizable investments in student athletics. A large percentage of our students are there to play sports and get a college degree. Mm-hmm. So those students often can see a pathway for themselves that goes from the community college to a private college because we we look similar. Yeah, there's an affinity there that I didn't quite piece together. That's right. I and see. Therefore our faculty who the ones you, you point out as you know sort of the the, the, the holdouts, if you will, mm-hmm. they know this too. They see their classes and the demographics of the, that are changing in their classes in the same way they're seeing at the community colleges. Okay. Let's talk about Heather Community College enrollment in Kansas. Annual? Uh, we serve about 100,000 students. Okay, per year. What about the 20 private schools about as part 20, of your association? About 25,000. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I just would have guessed more. Just some of the, some of the colleges are relatively small? A number of them are relatively small, yes. Uh, so it's easy to, you know, we have Barkley College in Haviland, Kansas. Barkley, uh, Haviland is a uh, very small burg between uh, between Pratt and Greensburg. I've heard uh, of and, Haviland. Uh, uh, Haviland has about, yeah. I think, a population of about 600 or so, and Barkley uh-huh. is a college of about 250. Uh, wow. we, we have schools in, in Hillsboro uh, and in There Sterling. are classes at K-State that have well more than uh, 250 right. students. Uh, and so a number of our schools... And we also have what may be the country's best chiropractic college in Cleveland University in Kansas City. Hmm. That's their enrollment. That's part not, of your 20? That is part of the 20. <clears throat> All right. So we have about 125,000 people in this mix. <clears throat> what, how many, do you know how many associate degrees the community colleges produce on an annual basis? I'm not sure. We, we do produce more associate's degrees and we do certificates, but we measure our um, success by two types of certificates and associate's degree. Um, it's in definitely in the thousands. Okay, and and you said uh, you said eight and a half percent of the students that enroll at these independent colleges came from community colleges in Kansas. That's right. Okay, is what is is that a trend? Is that number gone up down? Uh, it's you know. over time. It has gone up. Our numbers are probably a down a little bit. Because, oh, this past fall, in part because if the community colleges have a couple of down years of enrollment, yeah. eventually that shows up in our world. Yeah. Uh, COVID, but generally, COVID hammered all these yeah. higher ed right. institutions. Uh, over time, that number is going up. 
Hmm. I, I actually would have to think that I would think the number would be higher. You know, where are these people going? Are they going to universities or are they just not pursuing higher ed beyond that? Well, that's a great question, Tim. Um, the Kansas co- college going rate is going down and has been going down for a number of years. We're about around the 40 to 43% range of Kansas high school students are going on to second, uh, post-secondary education. As the independent colleges share of the, uh, our students are going up, um, there's only one answer and that, and that's the enrollment decline, you know, at the Regents university somewhat, um, with Kansas students and in the number of our students that are going on to higher education across the state, the decline should be alarming. It will have economic impacts. Eventually. Um, we know that students who get some sort of post-secondary certificate or degree are significantly more likely Mm -hmm. to, um, succeed later in life and have a family sustaining wage. And so, um, while sometimes K-12, likes to talk about post-secondary success. If they're not receiving a certificate or degree, long-term as the economy is up and down, that's not going to be the best for Kansas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think those the demographics of college age and what those people are doing um, is a cause for concern. I know it causes a lot of university CEOs significant heartburn. We're seeing it uh, slightly different. I mean, we're seeing those demographic changes in state. But our mm-hmm. out-of-state enrollment has gone up all through the pandemic and, and beyond. So we are at, the every, private school. at our private colleges. We are seeing more and more students come to our schools from out of state. Part of part of that, the athletic element uh, of it? Of people course, are coming from Miami to play football? Well, I wouldn't say they're necessarily coming from Miami, Florida well, to I play mean, football. Florida's yeah. got plenty of good football going on. But uh, we are seeing plenty of student-athletes coming, but not just student-athletes. Mm-hmm. There are some really – we have some strong programs. In, Do we think that's a co- part of that's a cost? Uh, sure. A factor uh, and that, that higher ed in some states is really uh, we are, outrageous. Kansas is one of the more affordable higher mm-hmm. ed landscapes in the country. Um, uh, Kansas's private colleges are consistently among the cheapest uh, in the country. Uh, our loan in debt, terms of private institutions, in, in terms of private colleges, our loan debt is as a state we are a low student loan state. That's public and private collectively. Hmm. Uh, so that is that does help. The challenge, and I think the regents are wrestling with this just as much as we are, uh, is how do we make sure those students stay here after they finish their degree? And we're pretty good at it at the private colleges. Some of that small town values and things, but we could be better because we, to grow the economy, we're going to need more of those students with some post-secondary credential stay here. And I don't know if we can grow it. Uh, just by focusing on just Kansas students. We're going to have to keep some of those from somewhere Heather, else. Heather, you have a point? Yeah. Um, Matt mentioned keeping kids in Kansas. And you, you know, Tim, that the Kansas Promise Scholarship Act was passed last year for the community colleges. There is a transfer portion to that that's not as well known. If a student is going to major in IT, any sort of health career, education, or um, advanced manufacturing, get a transfer degree, the requirement that was changed in the law the last session is that there must be a, what we call a two plus two agreement, which is essentially the receiving institution for your institution has to take 60 hours. And so essentially by signing this agreement, every Kansas Promise Scholar who's in a transfer program now knows that their transfer program will qualify at the independent colleges. Huh. And just touch, touch that uh issue promise scholarship is yeah the promise scholarship is a last dollar scholarship that essentially will pay for tuition fees books and supplies for kansas students in exchange for staying in kansas for two years so that's a really good investment of taxpayer dollars as matt said um we have a lot a, over 50 percent of our students who get a baccalaureate degree are leaving the state of kansas we're one are of the high are kansas. leaving kansas that and we're is that across the board across or the- uh, all the yes, universities, all, all, all yep. sectors, yeah, all sectors, and we are one of the fifty percent leaving. At least, oh, it's actually over fifty percent are leaving. 
Um, and we're one of the highest states that is seeing this out migration of baccalaureate degree prepared students. And so the promise scholarship is nice because our students avoid student debt in exchange for living and working in Kansas in two years. And we know that once a student is out in the workplace and, and getting established in the community, they're more likely to stay. And so part of that is incumbent upon all of us to make sure that, that students know about the great jobs that pay well here in Kansas and then having the policy tools in place to keep people here. You kind of mentioned college costs, and we've talked in and around this, but there's a big federal program on college loan forgiveness, uh, you know, maybe $10,000 at the at the base for if you don't make more than $125,000 or something like that. So, so Matt, how do you think this loan forgiveness program could impact students that are coming out of the uh, Kansas private universities? Well, I, I think we're not sure yet. And the reason I say that is the... It, the rules on how that's going to work haven't even been fully finalized sure. yet. So uh, I think the Biden administration is still trying to figure out how to make that work and work at a uh, at a cost level they can they can handle. Uh, you know, we had immediately on the announcement, uh, my financial aid directors all talk about they had students just inundating their office saying, "Can I take out a loan now? Can I take out a loan now?" Thinking that, that if they took the loan out today, they can they can get roped into this forgiveness piece. So there's also been a confusion driven by this this initiative that is taking some time to settle out. I think in the end, um, the forgiveness of existing student loans has going to have the most impact on the students who didn't get a degree. Mm. We know that the highest percentage of students who default on their student loans have less than 10000 in borrowing and didn't finish a, a post-secondary credential. It's not the lawyers and doctors uh, who got $100,000 in debt that are having the trouble. They also have the income to pay it off. Mm-hmm. It's the people who took out a loan and didn't get the asset that, to pay off the liability. Uh, that's where the most benefit's going to come in, and that turns out that it's going to looks like it's going to play a lot more in uh, communities of color, uh, in lower-income communities, and uh, so that, that could have a lot of benefit on the state as a whole. Hmm. Community colleges helps, yeah. help grads? Uh, I think Matt made a really good point. This is for people who have already uh, had a student loan. So for our current students, this will have very little impact. But it'll be for students who took out a, a loan and um, you know may get it forgiven. And quite frankly, most of our Kansas students who take out a student loan are pretty responsible. They pay it off. They're not in default. So while it's a benefit for them, um, most of our community college students, I'm not sure how much of a benefit it is because most of them have been pretty duly, uh, dutiful in paying their, their loans. But certainly it'll be a windfall if this makes it through the process and doesn't get hung up in litigation and all sorts of other things in D.C. And I tell this story every year. and I do the, do the math. For power schools, the average debt on graduation has been around $24,000 Total total debt. Okay. It has been less than the cost of a new Chevy Mount basic Chevy Malibu down the street every year for the last thirty five years. Mm-hmm. One of those depreciates the moment you get it. The other one, if you have the degree, it pays for itself. Yeah. Uh, so it's Kansas as a whole has not been a high debt state. Therefore, the Biden initiative may not have quite the dramatic impact here as it might in other places. Matt and Heather, do we have an estimate of the average cost, annual cost, to attend these private schools you're talking about? Uh, so net cost, so after aid, okay. uh, average for us is about 15000 a year. All right. And ours, about is, community uh, college? ours is a, our tuition and fees for 15 credit hours a semester is about 1500 bucks. Hmm. So it's very inexpensive. And with the Promise Act and other scholarships, you do not have to incur student debt um, to go to Kansas Community College. 
you would be hard pressed to say no to such a proposition. Community colleges, for sure. You you would think so, you know. And I tell policymakers all the time um, who are saying, "Why is enrollment going down?" Going down, it's not because of cost, because there are various ways that we can get these costs covered. It's about students. Um, seeing the value of the credential of the degree and understanding how that's going to benefit them not only the next year but you know for decades to come. Yeah, let's get back to the um, <laughs> agreement between the community colleges and, and the private colleges. There was a news release put out that suggested there was this could be the tip of an iceberg of, in terms of collaboration between these two clusters of higher edu- education institutions. What would what would you be speaking of potentially? Well, in, in fact, it's part on a continuum of collaboration that's already been going on. Um, mm-hmm. Seven years ago, we did this around reverse transfer, where we said if a student leaves with a certain number of hours from a community college, comes and finishes 15 more hours at a private college, we could send the transcript back to the community college. They could send them an associate's degree and say, hey, congratulations, you now are a college graduate. Whether or not you finish the bachelor's degree or not, you have a post-secondary credential. Yeah, and no, I think that's a brilliant program uh, you know, if we'll say hypothetically you start at Fort Hayes and you get through two year and a half, two years, you can't quite finished. You know, you didn't finish your four year degree, but if you go to Johnson County and take three more classes, you can have an associate's degree, and that, okay. and so those Fort Hayes hours get shipped to Johnson County, and I think that is a tremendous program. So I think. Putting this in its context of a continuum of improving and increasing the relationships between our schools is important. Mm-hmm. We had all of our presidents together Tuesday, and the conversation was already turning to how can we do more collectively around advising, the, the ideas of pathways and helping students understand their options better. How can we make sure that private college voices are more present uh, at the community colleges? How can we make sure that community college voices are more prevalent prevalent uh, among the, the private college conversations. I think there's a lot more that we can do to serve students. Heather, collaboration? Yeah, I think that we're really excited. Um, oftentimes people think of the Regents University as its higher education in Kansas and the private colleges, the independent colleges get left behind. And so uh, the community college view is it's going to take everybody. It's going to take the Regents Universities. It's going to take the independent colleges. And what we are laser focused on is student success. And we've got to have good relationships, good advising, um, in collaboration and working together. The other thing is we sometimes need to share faculty. Mm-hmm. If mm. faculty are not at full load, we need to be sharing them. We don't have enough uh, faculty in certain areas of the state, and so we need to be working together to, to pool our resources to best serve Kansas students. So that can be done through online instruction? It, it could be sometimes. done through online instruction, but it could also be done, there's pretty close proximity from some of these independent colleges with our uh, community colleges. And so how does that look? How do we share faculty? How do we co-teach a class? How do we allow the private college to come onto our campuses? We have some situations where um, independent colleges are in the same communities as our community colleges to allow students to complete a four-year degree um, in our local communities. And so those are all things that benefit Kansas and things that we're looking at. Yeah, that would be interesting. That kind of collaboration like that would seem efficient in terms of personnel and would hope benefit both institutions. Especially when you look at the map of the state and see where we could be even more invested in helping achieve higher education goals, that there were not... uh, 
evenly distributed across the state for the four-year schools. So how can we mm. make sure we are looking mm-hmm. to to really help those parts of the state southwest, Fill those gaps. southwest, southeast, gaps. Uh, north central that don't quite have near as much uh, in ways of choice and opportunity uh, beyond the community college? How can we work with the community colleges who are there to, to enhance those outcomes? Not everybody lives four blocks from the University of Kansas campus in Lawrence. That's right. right. Yeah. I think we're going to have to leave it there. I I want to thank Heather Morgan, Executive Director of the Kansas Association of Community Colleges, and Matt Lindsay, President of the Kansas Independent College Association, for explaining to this really interesting development, uh, providing students a greater opportunity to get the kind of degree they really want. So thank you both for being here. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim.